Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, we welcome you all here at Central Campus, those of you who are joining us online, and also those of you who are meeting together at one of our other campuses in Northwest Calgary, in South Calgary, up in Airdrie, and down in the Bridgeland area. Um, We're uh, continuing our study uh, through the book of Colossians, and so I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the fourth chapter of this wonderful letter where Paul talks about joining God on his mission. Would you please stand and join me in reading our scripture lesson for today? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word, for inspiring Paul to write these words. And we ask, O God, that you would now give us a fuller understanding of what this means for us in 21st century uh, Calgary. What it means to live this in our lives. I pray, O God, that you'd help us to be focused in our thoughts. Lord, if uh, there's a hardness within, there's a resistance, we ask that you would begin to soften that part of us so that we might receive what you have for us and then give us the courage, the will to step out and do what you're calling us to do. For we pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This last week I heard on the radio that Canadian medical researchers received a special award for developing a highly effective vaccine for the Ebola virus, which, as you may know, has taken the lives of thousands of people over the years. You may remember um, the fear that was growing around the world of this deadly virus spreading a few years ago, Because at the time, there was no effective antidote. I mean, if you got infected, chances were extremely high that you would die. Now, with that in mind, I just want us to imagine another scenario. Imagine a deadly virus is taking the lives of thousands of Canadians every day, and there is no cure. However, unknown to anyone, you have developed the antidote. You are a genius. And you have developed this antidote to treat this deadly virus, and it is 100% effective. Now, can you think of any reason why you would keep that antidote a secret? Can you possibly think of a greater gift that you can give to humanity, in particular those who are dying from this killer disease, than the antidote that you've developed. Well, you see, what is true in the natural realm is also true in the spiritual realm. If Jesus is the way to forgiveness, to freedom, to true peace and satisfaction in this life and the way to living forever with God in the next life, then wouldn't you agree that the greatest gift you could give someone is to introduce them to Him? We know this is God's passionate desire. Ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, decided to go their own way rather than God's way, like a lovesick father, God has been on a mission 
to bring all people back in relationship with himself. And this is why Jesus came. In Luke 19, Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost or to make a way through his death and resurrection for all people to be reconciled to God. And in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus calls us to join him in this mission. The question is, what is our role in this mission, and, and what is God's role? Well, in our scripture lesson today that we just read, the Apostle Paul paints a picture that helps bring understanding to this issue. God opens doors. We walk through them. God's the one who softens hearts and draws people to himself and to his truth. Our role is to pray for open doors, to be alert to doors that are open, and then to step out in obedience and walk through the door that God has opened for us. And so with that overview, let's drill down a little deeper into this passage and learn about the kind of person that God uses to introduce people to Jesus. In this message, I'm going to focus on just two of the principles that Paul spells out in this passage. First of all, God uses people who are passionate about introducing people to Jesus. Notice in verse 3, Paul writes, Pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. When Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. Now, if I was in prison for a crime that I didn't commit, the very first thing I would put on my prayer letter to you all would be, please pray that I can get out of here. Not so Paul. He doesn't ask them to pray that God would open prison doors and set him free. No, he asks them to pray that God would open a door of opportunity for him to share the good news, even in the context in which he finds himself. See, that was his passion. That was his priority in life. And God opened doors for him to do just that. When he was brought before high-ranking officials like Felix and Herod Agrippa, he would talk about Jesus. When he was chained to a Roman soldier while under house arrest, he would talk about Jesus. When there was a change of guard and a different soldier had the privilege of chaining himself to Paul, he would talk about Jesus. I mean, can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul for eight hours? <laughs> Talk about an open door. Talk about a captive audience. And yet, even though he had this captive audience, he asked for prayer. Because he knew he couldn't change this crusty old soldier's heart. He needed God to do what he couldn't do. Well, pray they did. And as a result, we're told that many of those soldiers and even members of Caesar's household came to faith in Jesus. But my point is this. Paul was passionate about introducing others to Jesus. It was his greatest purpose and priority in life. Now, here's the thing. Researchers tell us that only about 40% of evangelical Christians, not, you know, people who refer to themselves as Christians, we're talking about evangelical Christians, only about 40% believe they are called to point people to faith in Christ. Now, I mean, think about that. If those of us in this worship service are representative Bible-believing Christians in North America... That means that more than half of us in this place do not see ourselves giving priority at all to pointing people to faith in Christ. 
I don't know if that disturbs you, but it sure does me. And so I think it's important that I back up and I ask you a very important question. Just to bring some perspective here. Have you ever wondered why God has left you here and not taken you to heaven yet? Now, if you would not consider yourself to be a Christ follower, then according to the Bible, the reason that you're still here is because God is pursuing you to be in relationship with him. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He loves you. He created you. He died for you. And like any loving, good father, he wants to have a vibrant friendship with you, and he's been pursuing you all your life, trying to get your attention. The question is, have you been listening? Have you even been dialed in or tried to be dialed in? Have you been open to him at all? Now, on the other hand, those of us who are followers of Christ, the Bible teaches that we're still here because God wants us to be his representatives on earth. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you are my witnesses. In other words, you are my representatives in the sphere of influence of the people who are around you or that I brought into your life. The Lord says, your life, your words testify and point people to me and to my reality. You see, if God's primary purpose for his followers were loving fellowship, and fellowship is really sweet, but if that was his primary purpose, he would take us immediately to heaven where loving community is perfect, unhindered by sin and selfishness and everything else that tends to ruin community and causes people to feel lonely. If God's primary purpose for us were to grow in our knowledge of the scriptures through Bible study and through hearing sermons, he would take us immediately to heaven where his word is perfectly known and understood. If God's primary purpose for us were to give him praise and worship, he would take us immediately to heaven where praise and worship is perfect and unending and where there are no more worship wars and conflicts over which style of worship is most pleasing to God. Thank you, Jesus. Can't wait for heaven. No, you see, the primary reason we are here and not in heaven is to give our lives to introducing people to Jesus and then together with God and one another to bring his kingdom, to bring his will to earth as it is in heaven. In other words, to accomplish his redemptive purposes on this planet. This is the mission that we have been called to. And when we submit ourselves to God and his purpose for our lives, we are involved in the most God-glorifying activity possible because nothing is closer to the heart of God than people coming back in right relationship with himself. 1 Timothy 2 says it well. God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is the supreme reason I believe we are still here on earth and not in heaven. But let me say this. For the true Christian, this mission is more than just obediently fulfilling a mandate that God has given to us. You know, grudgingly do it because it says we're supposed to. No. For the genuine Christian, it is the overflow of a heart that's simply in love with Jesus. You know, I read somewhere that John Grisham, who's best known for his book, The Firm, that he's written 27 bestsellers. They did a massive advertising campaign for his first book, and they only sold, the book only sold a few thousand copies. His next three books were bestsellers not because of a publisher's clever marketing campaign, but simply because somebody liked the book 
and told somebody else, who in turn told someone else, and so on and so on. Well, folks, Christians are people who like Jesus. They like him so much, their lives have been so radically transformed by him, they want to tell others about him. Like the Apostle Paul, it's their greatest calling and passion in life. Secondly, God uses people who pray for open doors and walk through them. Again, Paul writes in verse 3, Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Let's say it's Saturday morning and you're at home, you're reading just a great book with your favorite cup of coffee in your favorite chair. Or let's say you're in the family room wrestling with the kids and suddenly there is a knock at the door. You open the door and there stand two people from a certain religious organization that would like to talk to you about matters of faith. Now some of us delight in having conversations like this, but I think I'd be safe in saying that the vast majority of you would have little enthusiasm to have such a conversation and would simply and politely, as all great Canadians do, say, no thanks, and close the door. And there are many reasons, of course, but one of the reasons you would do that is most of us aren't comfortable when people we don't know try to influence us or persuade us to do something, to buy something, or to engage in something, or to have a personal conversation about something. A couple of months ago, when it was like minus 30 out, just like it was this last week, I was driving up towards Center Street when I passed a couple of young gals in their mid-teens who were walking in the same direction and looked terribly cold. And like many teens these days, they were dressed for plus three, not minus 30. <laughs> and so I had compassion on them, and I stopped, and I rolled down the window, and I offered them a ride. And I was really proud of them in their response, because they exercised great wisdom, they kept their distance, and, and basically said, um, no thank you. But then one of them said, are you Pastor Henry? <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. And in a flash, their skeptical faces turned to happy faces, and they came running for all they were worth, piled in the back seat of my car, and said, oh, thank you. We're freezing to death. We'd love to have a ride up to Tim Hortons. Thank you. And over the next two minutes, I introduced them to Jesus. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I think they already know Jesus. But, but, but here's my point. If people don't know you, they typically won't trust you. And if they don't trust you, they won't believe you or even listen to you, and they definitely won't get in your car. And so Paul says here, pray for open doors. First of all, pray that God would open doors for meaningful friendships with people who don't know God. Now you've probably noticed that there are people who are open and receptive to you and there are others who aren't. Don't feel bad about those who aren't all excited about being your friend because even Jesus had people who didn't like him very much. The religious leaders of his day, you will remember, were deeply threatened by him and thus were not very receptive to him or very friendly to him. And you probably notice as you read through the Gospels that Jesus didn't spend a lot of time with them. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus said this to his disciples as he sent them out. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. 
If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Now the word peace in biblical culture simply means hello. And what Jesus is saying to us living in 21st century Calgary is go out. Greet people warmly. Extend a hand of friendship to those people that you meet. Wherever that friendship is received and reciprocated, begin to invest a little more in those relationships. Pray about these people. And ask God to show you which of these people are just nice, polite Canadians and which ones are truly people of peace. Or people that he's working in. And people who are open and receptive to you and even seem to appreciate and like you. When you have a sense from God that someone is a person of peace, begin to spend time with them. Eat with them. Go to a hockey game with them. Serve them. Spend relaxed downtime with them. Not with the intent of introducing them to Jesus, but with a sincere desire to get to know them and be their friend whether or not they ever come to Jesus or not. On the other hand, Jesus goes on to instruct us in Luke 10 a little later not to invest heavily in those who are not open to you. Who may be polite and nice but you both know that your friendship isn't going anywhere as far as they're concerned. You see, it's, it's no good trying to force doors open that God hasn't opened. And we must not be distracted trying to bang down doors that God hasn't opened lest we miss the doors that God has opened. So pray that God would open doors for meaningful friendships with people who don't know God. Furthermore, pray that God would open doors for meaningful opportunities each day to point people to the love of God. In verse 5, Paul talks about making the most of every opportunity. Well, the key to that is keeping our ears attuned to the promptings of God. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When Paul says, let us keep in step with the Spirit, he's saying, be alert to the leading, to the guidance of God's Spirit in your life. When it comes to introducing people to Jesus, there is no greater power available to you than God's Word and God's Spirit's leading in your life. And the key to receiving God's guidance and direction is hearing God speak to you through the Scriptures and also through His whispers. Now, people often ask me, how do you hear God's voice? Are you talk about praying continuously. Um, you know, how do you hear his voice and his promptings and his leadings in your life? Well, if you would like a more complete answer to that question, I encourage you to go online, um, go to the sermon section on our church website, find the Christianity 101 series, and watch the three sermons that I taught on how the Holy Spirit guides us. You'll get the whole enchilada there, okay? Let me be brief, though, for the purpose of this message. God speaks to us in many ways, primarily through the Scriptures. But He also speaks to us through sermons, through other people, through His creation, and, of course, through His whispers and promptings. When it comes to discerning whether a prompting or a leading is from the Lord, just remember this rule of thumb. Focus less on who the leading may be from. Focus more on what you sense 
you are being led to do or to say. If the leading, for example, is calling you to do something immoral or illegal or is just plain dark and negative and outright crazy, then ignore it. On the other hand, if the prompting resonates with who you know Jesus to be through your study of God's Word, and is something that you could see Jesus doing or saying, there's a high probability the leading's from the Lord. My suggestion is, is you lean into that and follow the Lord in it. And so with that in mind, if we want to make the most of every opportunity, it's important we keep our ears attuned to the Lord and to follow His lead. Therefore, before you head out in the morning, Take some time to connect with Jesus. Thank him for another day. For his goodness and faithfulness in your life. Resurrender your life to him. As you read a portion of scripture, in fact, even before you read it, specifically, intentionally ask him to speak to you in some way through the word. And if there's and, and give him permission. Say to him, Lord, if there's, there's anything about the way I'm living my life, my priorities, my values, my attitudes, my motivations, if there's anything that's out of line, please reveal it to me. And when he does, confess it to him, determined to go the other way. That's what repentance is all about. And then invite him as you head out the door to do his day with you. Open your hands and say, Lord, I'm, I'm yours today. I'm available to do whatever you need me to do. I'm available to pray for someone. I'm in, available to share my story with someone. I'm available to serve someone. I'm just, or just to be there for someone. Show me where you're at work. Help me to see what you see. Prompt me to do what you want me to do. And then as you go throughout your day, anticipate that God's going to open doors for meaningful opportunities to point people to the love of Jesus. Anticipate it. Be aware that he's in you. He's with you. He wants to accomplish his will through you. At times he may call you to do little more than smile at a co-worker and ask how their day's going. At other times, he may open a door for you to listen to someone who is in deep pain and for you to pray with them. The key to walking in step with the Spirit is this. Your goal is not to contrive ways, human ways, for you to get people to begin a relationship with Jesus. That's God's work. Only he can change a heart. Rather, your objective is to simply follow his lead to pray for open doors and then to step out in faith and walk through the doors that he opens. You see, being on mission with God is not unlike the role of the farmer. The farmer cultivates the soil, plants the seed, and at the proper time reaps the harvest. But only God's the one who makes that seed grow, gives life to that seed. Introducing people to Jesus is a similar process that involves each of us and all of us working together in concert with God. Sometimes God calls us to cultivate. Cultivating is breaking up hardened soil of someone's heart. It's praying for them regularly. You know, perhaps you've run into people who just, you know, you can just tell they're bitter, they're angry, they're mad at the church, they can't stand religion or religious people. Kind of hard soil. And maybe he wants to use you to kind of break that up a little bit. And one of the things he will use very powerfully is you just committing to praying for those people. Another way be just listening to them if you have the opportunity. Or serving them or caring for them. Or their children in some way. I remember sitting down with a person once and, and oh, they were, oh, they were just so angry at the church and and, and, and Christians and the whole bit. 
And I just sat for 30 minutes as this person unloaded. And once they totally unloaded, there's a change that began to happen within them. And a door began to open. Visiting people in the hospital, visiting people in prison, taking a meal to a family in crisis, serving children, being sensitive to where their hearts are at, serving children so their parents can be in a service like this, serving youth who are going through all kinds of stuff in their life, people with special needs, practicing hospitality in your home, shoveling your neighbor's walk, helping them paint their fence, fix their plumbing, only if you know how to do plumbing. <laughs> Please don't help somebody fix plumbing if you don't know what you're doing. But that's just a few examples of a thousand ways of caring and serving that God may call you to cultivate. Other times God may prompt us to do some planting. Planting is dropping seeds of truth. It's giving them a book. It's pointing them to a website. It's, it's giving them a sermon CD and saying, you know, read this, watch this, uh, listen to this. Planting is saying, let me tell you how God has changed my life. How he's given me victory. It's a daily battle, but he's given me victory over an addiction. Transformed my character, restored my marriage. Planting is inviting someone to spend an evening with your family or in your community group or inviting them to come to church along with you. And then there are times God calls us to reap, to actually have the privilege of explaining to people who are open how to begin a relationship with Jesus. And you see, the thing that we have to understand is that God wants to involve all of us together to introduce people to Jesus. We all have a role to play. At times, he will use one of us to cultivate in a certain person's life. And then he will call somebody else to do some planting in that same person's life. And then perhaps even another person to reap. You know, in my role as a pastor, I've had the privilege of praying with hundreds of people over the years. And in that moment when they embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I've witnessed the tears of joy and the beginning of new spiritual life time and time again, and I just, it just never gets old for me. I just, um, it just blows me away. But I want to say this, even though it's been an immense privilege for me to help someone make that step to start a personal relationship with Jesus, I am so thankful for the person or the persons, people like you, who were listening to God and invested months, in some cases years, cultivating and planting in the life of the person that I ultimately prayed with. See, that's the power of all of us praying for open doors, listening to God and then walking through those doors that God opens for us in the life of someone. A while back, I had the joy of introducing a couple to Jesus and, and after they prayed, I asked them how they came to our church and they informed me that they'd been invited by another couple whose marriage had been turned around after they became Christ followers. I said, man, that's awesome. I said, so how did that couple end up becoming Christ followers. And he says, oh, they were invited by another couple from our church who had a similar story in their lives and in their marriage. I said, really? That is so good. So who invited them? <laughs> and they said, well, they were invited by a woman in our church who's just always giving out books and sermon CDs and inviting people to our church. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. 
The story I just told is an example of the power Jesus was referring to in that verse. The power of walking in step with the Spirit, listening to the daily promptings of the Spirit to cultivate or to plant into someone's life or to help someone cross into the kingdom of light. You know, I didn't understand this for many years of my Christian life. I didn't understand that God just wanted me to be dialed into him and do the little things that he was prompting me to do and that the little things that I did really mattered. The things that I did in his name were not in vain. Let me ask you, have you ever gone to a restaurant or a store and been totally oblivious to those who are serving you? To the place where you kind of treat, treated them like they were non-people? You know, they could have been robots. Yes, can I serve you, please? Yes. Have you ever played hockey? This has nothing to do with me. Um, <clears throat> have you ever played hockey? with a bunch of guys, and all that mattered to you was winning? Before and after the game, you had no interest in their lives or what was going on in their lives? You know, I think if we reflect on this a little bit, most of us would be shocked at how much we do that and how many opportunities we've really missed. I can still remember when our boys were really young and in soccer where I was so focused on the game of soccer and helping my boys develop their soccer skills that I was oblivious to everything else. To my shame, I would march up and down the soccer field like a sergeant shouting out instructions to my boys. And I was totally oblivious to the other parents around me and the things that I'm sure that God wanted to do through me. I'm convinced that some of those soccer parents thought, man, that preacher is nuts. I'm never going to his church. How I wish I could go back and have a do-over in those early years as a soccer dad. It was a few years later that the truth of what I just shared with you just really began to hit home in my life. And when some of our boys began to play organized hockey, I began to approach the game with a totally different purpose and perspective. I began to actually pray to God to guide me and to use me in the life of the people that were watching the game. Within weeks, I found myself time and time again between periods after the game, sometimes even during the game, having conversations with people. As time went on, you know, I guess word gets around, you know, he's the resident preacher. If you got a problem, maybe you should go talk to him. And people began to approach me like a mom who was losing sleep big time because of the decisions her teenage son was making, or the dad who was really struggling in his work place. Over the years, some of those people began to ask if they could meet with me privately. Every once in a while, I get a call out of the blue, someone sharing with me a, a, just a, a huge thing that had happened in their life and just saying, you know, would you, would you, would you pray? Some of them began attending our church and in time came to faith in Christ. And much of that happened because I became open to the people that God was bringing into my life. Not to convert them, just to love them. Just to walk through the doors that God was opening in front of me. I especially remember talking to a granddad, a really crusty old guy. Uh, <laughs> early in our conversation, he was just flat out told me that he had no use for organized religion. 
thanks. And, uh, and yet, as we connected week after week, began to sense that his heart was softening. It was a few years later, I'd almost forgotten him. I got a call from him. Out of the blue, he told me that he just got news, bad news from his doctor. Just called to say, you know, you probably have a special line to the big guy upstairs. You know, would you put one in for me? And the day came when he committed his life to Christ. That's what begins to happen. That's what begins to happen when you walk in step with the Spirit. When you listen to the promptings of the Spirit, wherever it is He takes you. But again, let me be clear. We can't change people's hearts or lives. That's God's work. Our responsibility is to stay close to Him, to listen to His voice, and to carry out the assignments that He gives us. That's it. To love Him with all our heart. And then to show his love to the people that he brings across our path. For some of us, God may prompt us to spend a period of time just just praying for someone, either alone or perhaps with a spouse or a close friend. That might be it for the next season, to pray for him. For others of us, God may prompt us to sit with a co-worker who's, you know, day after day sits alone in the lunchroom. And God just lays something on our hearts. Sit with him. And then maybe to ask him out for coffee outside of work. Still for others, he may lead us to have a brief conversation with a waitress who's serving us. Ask her how her day's going. Give her a word of encouragement. And then maybe even if you've got the boldness to say, you know, um, I love to pray. Is there anything I can pray for you about this week? It's a wonderful thing to do. But I recommend really strongly that you don't do that unless you give that waitress a generous tip. (laughs) Otherwise, she'll just think. Won't talk about what she'll think. But imagine, friends, what would happen in our city, in our church, if every one of us who are part of Center Street, you know, upwards of eight to 10,000 people, if every one of us would start out our day praying fervently that God would open doors for us today and then not only anticipate the doors he's going to open, but walking through them. I'll close with this. Howard Hendricks, who for years taught at Dallas Theological Seminary, also pastored a church in the area for many years, he shared this story. Years ago in a church that I was pastoring in Dallas, we were having trouble finding a leader for our junior high boys. No big surprise, by the way. The list of prospects had only one name. And when they told me who it was, I said, you've got to be kidding but I couldn't have been more wrong about that young man. He revolutionized that group of boys. I was so impressed that I invited him to my home for lunch and I asked him the secret of his success. He pulled out a little black book. On each page, he had a small picture of one of the boys. And under the boy's name were comments like, having trouble being accepted at school comes to church against his parents' wishes. Or would like to be a missionary, but doesn't think he has what it takes. The young man said, I pray over these pages every day, and I can't wait to get together with the boys to see what God's doing in their lives. You know, after calling his disciples to go and make disciples in Matthew 28... The last thing Jesus said to them and to us before he ascended to heaven 
was this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, church, we must not forget that. Whatever it is he calls you to do, wherever it is he calls you to go, whoever it is he calls you to share a bit of your story with, you are not alone in that assignment. He is with you. He's giving you protection. He's empowering you. He's doing what you could never accomplish in your own strength. He's working through you to make an eternal difference in that person's life. Whether you see any evidence of it or not, he's at work in ways that you could never imagine or produce in your own strength. You know, whenever I cultivate or plant in Jesus' name, or I share God's love with someone whenever I preach God's word as I am right now. And at times I feel so weak. I, I feel so inadequate, so ineffective. By faith, I believe with all my heart that the Lord is with me. That he is doing a work through me that I could never pull off in my own strength. And therefore, as I speak to a crowd this size or as I speak to someone personally, as I serve, as often as I can remember, I pray in my spirit that God would do what I can't do. That he would use my words, my acts of service, my prayers, my listening ear to somehow reveal himself to this person. To reveal his love to this person. To reveal his truth to this person. I find myself praying, Lord, please soften hearts. Lord, please draw people to yourself. Lord, please May they see you as you really are. Because if they do, they'll never walk away from you again. And you know, over and over again, he has amazed me. I've seen him transform the lives of hundreds, I, I dare say thousands of people over the years. People who will never be the same again. And so, he will amaze you. He will use you to impact people for eternity. Whether you see much evidence of it or not in this world, He will use you. Your, whatever you do in His name, will not be in vain. When you surrender to Him, when you ask Him to open doors, and then in faith walk through those doors. And folks, that is why we're here and not in heaven yet. Would you please stand for closing prayer? Let's open our hands to the Lord again and let's personalize this now. Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is one step you want me to take? What is one truth you want me to embrace? What is one promise or one attitude that I, I need to change? Just take a moment. Let it, just listen to his voice.
Heavenly Father, we just praise you for your love and grace, for demonstrating that love by sending Jesus to us. We thank you for your word and the, and the reminder that our highest calling in life is to follow your Son in making the invisible kingdom of God visible for all to see in and through our lives. Lord, we come to the throne of grace today because we acknowledge that we are weak. We are incapable of changing the hearts of the people that you have brought into our lives. Our money won't do it. Our intelligence won't do it. Our charm won't do it. No, we need the Holy Spirit to do it. Oh Lord, we pray that you will use whatever means to draw the people that you've brought into our lives to yourself. Assault them, Lord, with your love and with your grace through us and through others, we pray. Lord, we're committing ourselves anew today to prevail in prayer for those people of peace and others, Lord, that you've brought into our lives. We're also committing, Lord, ourselves to listening to your voice, to pray, to praying that you would open doors and to walking through those doors when you call us to. For we pray it in the precious name of Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his precious peace. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God be with you. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.